The world does wait for a miracle, doesn't it? The heart longs for a little bit of hope. Our hope is Emmanuel. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Good morning. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, that season where we look and remember the first coming of our Lord. But we long and wait for the second coming as well. This Advent season, we'll be studying together the Gospel of John, and especially the first few verses of the first chapter. It's an amazing prologue to really an amazing book. But in those few verses are some of the deepest truths about Jesus that you find in all of the New Testament. So I invite you to join me this season, this Advent season, as we go deep into God's word and learn who Jesus is. Before we begin, would you do me a favor? Would you text your name to area code 812-457-9509? Area code 812-457-9509. So much fun. And Monday mornings to see who's checked in from around our city and from around our country, really, and, and even from around the globe. There's some way that we can serve you, if we can pray with you or pray for you or provide some service for you. Please let us know, would you? If God has answered a prayer, oh man, let us know. We rejoice to see how he is living and active and moving among us. But if, like many, you're in a place where you need prayer, if you just take a moment as you text your name and, and let us know how we can walk beside you, we would greatly appreciate it. While you're doing that, I just a couple of announcements this morning. One is that um, though we long to be together today, um, the virus is still at such a level and the threat is real enough that our elders thought it's safest to continue in virtual worship together. That doesn't mean that you can't participate. I invite you, when we're singing, sing with us. When we're reading scripture, open your phones or, or your Bibles and read along with us. When we're praying, don't hesitate to pray with us. Next week, we'll have a special opportunity to share in communion together. And it will be done virtually, so I invite you to make preparations ahead of time. Make physical preparations, if you would, by, by having bread and juice available next Sunday morning for you to use while we partake of the Lord's Supper together. But more than that, I invite you to use this entire week to prepare yourself for the Lord's table. The scripture says that all who trust in Jesus are welcome at the Lord's table. But the scripture also invites us to prepare ourselves by examining ourselves. See if there's anything in us that is not of the Lord. There's any area of our life still yet unsurrendered to him. And then to gently repent, to turn from that sin to Jesus, and to receive his grace and mercy. 
I just invite you to use this week to prepare for the Lord's Supper. And then what a joyful time it will be to gather together around God's word, to worship again together, but then to share in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Well, as I said, we're going to be studying together this season the prologue of, of John's gospel. Now, you remember that, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the gospels called the synoptic gospels or the gospels that tended to see Jesus in the same way, all focused on what he said and what he did. But John, writing probably 25 or 30 years later, then the other gospel writers chose to focus instead, not on so much what he did, but who he was and what he represented. And so I invite you to hear the word of God. And especially today, I invite you to commit to memory. John chapter one, verses one through 14. Yeah, I know that sounds like a lot, but many of you have already begun memorizing those verses, and we'll take them just a couple at a time. Today, I'd like to begin by inviting you to hear first and then to say with me our memory verse for this morning, John 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John 1, verses 1 through 2. Now, would you say that with me? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John 1, verses 1 through 2. Great job. You've already taken a big step toward hiding God's word in your heart. But let's join together now as Jason and Miranda lead us into Advent through our Advent reading. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, a season of celebration of the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into the world. Hear the word of God from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Hear also the word of God and this week's memory verse from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 and also 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Today we light the first candle, the candle of hope. And remember the prophets of old who first foretold a child to come, an unexpected liberator of the people, a vulnerable incarnation of the very word of God. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word, which spoke the world into creation, which spoke of things that were to be hundreds of years before they came and which ultimately became flesh and lived among us. Speak to us again, O Lord. Open our hearts to receive your spoken, written, and living word anew, for we ask it in Jesus' name.
God is for us and not against us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Turn with me, would you, in your Bibles to our Old Testament reading. It's from the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms. And today we'll be in one of the creation Psalms. You'll see why next week. We're in one of the creation Psalms, Psalm 8. Hear the word of God, would you? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of infants and babes, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament scripture is from the prologue of John in John chapter 1. Again, I'll invite you over these coming weeks to memorize these 14 verses. But today I just want you to hear them as if for the first time. John 1 verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is John the Baptist now, not John the Apostle, who's writing these words. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, 
he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his gl glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as we begin our study this Advent season of the prologue of John, I just want to invite you, as you open God's word, and then again, our encouragement to you is, is to use the SOAPS method to take a small passage like we're doing today, um, maybe just two verses of the Bible, to write them out, and then to ask yourself, what do you see in there? What strikes you about the, this brief passage? Then, as you think about those things, write them down. Then, when you had a chance to look and, and given God an opportunity to reveal his truths to you, ask yourself this question, if if I believed these words to be true, what would I need to do in response? Ask yourself that application question. And then as you write those things down, write out a prayer to God. Write out a prayer to God that commits yourself to fulfilling those applications that you discerned. And then, then the final S of our SOAP study is to say, who would be blessed if I shared these truths with them and share what you've learned with someone else? I use that pattern every week in the passages that, that we study together. Before I, I ever go into commentaries or, or study the background of the languages, I just let God's word speak to me and I invite you to do the same. Well, what do we see when we begin to look at these, these three verses? Now, we're going to look at uh, John 1, 1 through 2, but then also John 14a. Um, what do we see when we look at those verses? Well, in those three brief verses, we find that the word is mentioned four times. We find that, that literally the name God is mentioned three times. We see that the word beginning is used two times. There are many different ways of approaching God's word, but one of the simplest is just to say, what words are repeated in my passage? What, what words are said over and over again? That's a big clue as to what is important to God. And as we open God's word today, I just want to, I just want to invite you to think about those three words in particular. What, what do we learn about the word today? What do we learn about the beginning? What do we learn about God? And then as we put that into practice, we're going to ask ourselves, what do we learn about ourselves as a result. We 
We live in a season, don't we? And a culture, really, that's longing, that's looking for hope. Something, some bright future to put our hope in. Now, for many, hope has been anchored in human systems, even political systems or possibilities. But we've we found that that human system, because they're based on broken, sinful human beings, always fall short, don't they? For others, our hope has not been in human systems, but maybe in our own physical health. I know that I'm very tempted to go that direction myself. I've been so blessed for all my six decades um, with, with relatively good health. Um, but is that something to put my hope in? I know that my health will not last. I know that my life, should the Lord tarry, will not last. There's got to be something greater than my physical health. Still others of us have put our trust in our financial stability, right? We have worked very hard and I commend you for that, to be responsible with the resources that God has given you. And, and you have invested them and, and, and been good stewards of them and you feel financially secure. But as we've seen even in this past nine months, the world can change on a dime, right? And everything that we put value in, whether it be bank accounts or precious metals or, or even intangible things like um, relational security, those things can change in a heartbeat. The saddest thing of all, I think, is that for many, there's no hope at all. They live their lives from moment to moment in fear and even despair. Our friend uh, texted from, from Sacramento. Actually, it was my niece who texted from Sacramento. And, and she asked for prayer because her daughter's high school was, was being racked by a sequence of, of suicides among the students. In particular, among the girls, they, it was... It was like an um, uh, epidemic of, of suicides among these young people with their whole lives in front of them. What would lead them to such despair? And I know that they don't have the same frame of reference that many of us have. We have been through difficult circumstances, amen? And, and we have learned that God is faithful, amen? My heart breaks for those who don't know God or whose lives have been so short right now and have not chased, who've not seen the deliverance of God to know and to put their trust in him. That's why this prologue is so important for us. Oh yes, we're gonna spend half of the Gospel of John if you continue to read looking at these signs, these very real signs that Jesus represented, that God is aware, that God does care, that God can provide, right? 
We're going to spend the other half of of John uh, looking at the glory of even his trials and tribulations. The glory of his crucifixion. I know those words don't usually go together, do they? The glory of his resurrection and the hope that we have of his coming again. But all those things, all those things are anchored in who Jesus is. And in these brief words, we get our first clue. Now, the first clue that we learn about Jesus is that John uses a different word to to describe him. We have seen in our studies of God's word that there are many names given for God and there are many names for Jesus. We've seen several of them even today. Emmanuel, God with us, right? But, but John says, I want, I want you to understand another dimension of who he is. And he says this name, word. It's the Greek word logos, and that word permeates the English language. Um, whenever you hear a word like biology, that uh, ology is the word logos, right? It means a word about or the study of, right? And in biology, the case of biology, it means a word about life or the study of life. But John chooses a word that had powerful meaning for both Hebrews as they thought about this word, right? In the beginning, God spoke, God said a word and it was, right? This, this now Greek word um, was the representation of a Hebrew word, devar, which they were very familiar with and very comfortable with. But I love that John chose this word because not only could people with a Hebrew background understand it, also those with a Greek background could understand it. You see, the Greeks used this word logos as well, and it meant that, that, that deepest reason or deepest thought. And here, uh, John is saying that that the deepest thought of God um, is a name of Jesus, right? Lagos, a word. Well, what do we learn about this word? I want to I want to suggest to you that we can see in these brief three verses, we can see the word's relationship with time. We can see the word's relationship with God, and we can see the word's relationship with us as well. What do I mean? Let's look at the first one here, the word's relationship with time. In the beginning, John says, was the word. In other words, the word existed before time. The word itself was uncreated. It was already there. John is saying something very powerful about God that he'll make very explicit in the next phrase. But he's saying before time began, and the the word there is archaic, beginning, we, we see that word again in our culture in words like archbishop or archaeology, right? a study of the beginnings, right? Uh, it, the, the word was there in the beginning. 
before the first evening and morning the first day. We'll learn later that the word had a powerful role in creating everything else that exists. But today, I just want you to anchor yourself in this idea that John is saying something powerful about this word. John is saying that this word was there in the beginning. Well, what do we learn about this word's relationship with God? There's two dynamics going on right here. It sounds confusing, but begin to come into, into play. I'm sorry, I'm smiling. I remember studying Greek in, in seminary, and the first 11 weeks just made no sense at all. It was all these disparate pieces of a puzzle, and I could see them all on the proverbial table before me, but I could not put them together, right? And then, just like our professor promised, somewhere around week 12 of intense studying, then all of a sudden the pieces started to come together. We have two powerful pieces here on the table before us. Let me articulate them both. The first was that the word was with God. And the word with there is the Greek word pros, which means was toward God. Just as I'm facing this camera this morning here to, to speak to you, the word was face to face with God. Now that's important for us in light of the second truth that John tells us about the word's relationship to God. Not only was the word face-to-face -face with God or separate, but the word was God. And right here at the beginning, there is no messianic secret like in Mark. Right here at the beginning, um, John makes a powerful statement about the nature of God. That God exists in so far two persons here. Later we'll find the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John. But this word is God and yet is face to face with God at the same time. If your mind's about to go, then, then you're in good company. John is, is right here in the first two verses of his Gospel blowing our minds with the deepest truths about who Jesus is. So the word was with God in the beginning and the word was God, we learn. What do we learn here in this passage about the word's relationship with us? In verse 14, when I say 14a, I mean the first part of 14. We'll come back and look at the back part of 14 on the last day of our study together. But in John 1, 14, we learn who this word is, right? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Over the course of our now a couple decades together, we have, well, I have invited you to Trust deeply in God's written word. I have invited you to borrow my faith in it 
after more than four decades of following Jesus, every time there was something I could not understand in it, every time I thought there was some conflict in God's written word, I, I found out I was wrong, that the word itself explained it. And the word is trustworthy and true. Over our two decades together, I've invited you to, to believe in the spoken word. And I've invited you over and over again to speak the word to others. Speak over your beloved. Speak into the lives of those who don't yet know Jesus. Speak truth. Because there's something powerful that happens when we speak the word of God. The Holy Spirit takes our words and translates them in ways we never could understand or expect into people's lives. So that as I'm speaking this morning and, and, and many different people are hearing, they're all hearing through the lens of the Holy Spirit and, and they're understanding God's word to them. I've invited you to to trust in God's spoken word, to trust in the written word, to check the written word against the spoken word to make sure that they align. But all of that is meaningless if you miss the reality of the living word. John said right here in the first prologue of his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Emmanuel. That is the story of Christmas. Amen? God loved you so much that he became one of us so that he could show us how to live so that he could show us who God is, so that he could show us how to die, so he could show us how to live forever. Oh, I invite you to think deeply about the word this Christmas season. God loved you so much that he became flesh so that you could know him. As we sang, or we read earlier today, who are we, right? Who are we that God would love us so much to confine himself into a human being, to confine himself into a baby so helpless and dependent on others, to suffer like a human being, to die a human death. Who are we that God would love us so much to do that? Do you understand the word's relationship with you? God loves you, right? God loves you and wants to be with you. He wants to be face to face with you. And we read in scripture of saints who had that kind of relationship of Adam and Eve who walked and talked with God in the garden of, of Moses who talked with God as, as 
a man speaks with a friend. But God, through Jesus Christ, invites you into that kind of relationship as well. But as we saw in Isaiah 7, it's a relationship that begins and ends in faith, in believing what you have not yet received. As, as um, the author of the book of Hebrews would, would put it, um, to, to put your trust in something that's hoped for, to be convicted about that which is not seen. I want to invite you to believe this morning that God loves you so much that he became flesh to be with you. And whether you're a high school girl in despair, that your future is so uncertain, or your um, mother or father worried about the future for your children, or you're a child worried about the future for your beloved parents. No matter what situation you find yourself in this morning, God is with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. So what do we do? What, what can we offer to God in light of this reality? We offer to him ourselves. We offer to him all that we are and hope for. Say, God, I am yours. All that is within me declares your praise and surrenders itself to you. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God, I pray for my friends today who are with us online that, that you would reveal yourself through some small sign. Oh God, you've already revealed yourself through the word becoming flesh. But God, you never, you never shy away from your children when they look to you. So I pray for those who are suffering this morning that you would give them some small sign that you've heard and that you are responding to their needs. I pray for those who have concerns for others this morning that, that somehow, God, you would reveal yourself to them in, in some special way so that they would know that you are with them. I pray for those who are not sure, God, that you even think of them or care for them or are mindful of them, that you would reveal yourself powerfully. And then, God, as we go throughout this Christmas season, as these last days of, of fall give way to winter and, and darkness with ever-increasing in, uh, 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 presence God, overwhelms us, God, I pray that we would shine like lights, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the word made flesh and dwelling in us would shine through us, so that everyone we encounter would see the love and life of Christ in us. God, we know that you will receive the glory.
for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.